Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler. She's an expert on debt and credit. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you, Jordan. For the people who are not already familiar with you, just kind of give them a brief history. You've had a long history in the whole world of debt and credit. Just kind of give them a brief uh, summary of that. Sure. I've been working in credit education since, oh gosh, I don't know, more than 25 years. <laughs> I wrote the first mass market book that talked about FICO scores. So that's uh, showing how long I've been around this area. And I've done some cool stuff getting to testify in front of Congress on on credit legislation. But what I really love to do and what I've had the opportunity to do is help people get answers to their credit questions. And I've been doing that for quite a while. At one point, you were with Bank Card Holders of America, right? Tell us about that. Yes, yes. That was that was way back when. So we were the only nonprofit consumer group in the country that talked about credit. And this was back when initially, if you would get a credit card offer in the mail, you would not know what the interest rate was until you accepted it. And they wow. sent you the card. <laughs> so so that was part of the legislation we involved with was the Schumer box, the box on your credit card offers that tell you how much a credit card costs before you actually apply. So it's it's been a very fun ride. Indeed. Let's just kind of start with a broad view of credit. So there's a huge amount of credit outstanding. There's over a trillion dollars in credit card debt outstanding. There's a lot of student loan, over a trillion dollars in student loan debt. Do you think in general consumers are handling their debt pretty well or, or not too well these days? Well, you know, we see ebbs and flows for sure. And as long as I've been watching it, I, I, I see these cycles where consumers will uh, kind of get very optimistic with their credit and maybe go into debt more than they should. And then something happens, most recently the financial crisis, and they pull back and then it's a slow, gradual working up. So what we seem to be in right now is another gradual working up toward higher levels of debt, which are sustainable if the income stays there and there's no major interruption in your finances, no medical emergency, no period of disability or unemployment. But if that happens, then a lot of times the, the whole thing just comes crashing down around the consumer's head. So what has been the consumer psychology after the crash of 2008-2009? We had the credit crunch. Not only people using credit less, but their credit lines were being cut dramatically by the banks. And that's kind of been slowly coming back. Are we back to where we were before the financial crisis at this point? Um, We're not back to where we were before the financial crisis in most parts of the country because there's still, I think there's still a general concern that most consumers don't want to go there again. But at the same time, most people who were financially impacted during that um, period who were able to find a way to recover, at least credit-wise, have recovered. So credit scores, for example, are at an all-time high because a lot of that negative information is no longer reported. And that can sometimes lead to a false sense of security. You know, well, well, the banks, surely, if they give it to me, I must be qualified for it. And so sometimes it's easy to slowly build up those balances. And the next thing you don't, you, you don't know how much you owe. And I can tell you from my personal experience uh, that very, very often when I talk to consumers who are struggling with debt, they really don't know. They have a rough idea, but they really don't know how much they owe or the interest rates they're paying. And then on the issuer side, they got really tight in the financial crunch and cut people's credit lines back. Are they back to where they were as far as their standards and making it easy to get credit? 
We're definitely seeing um, some very large credit lines extended to consumers through credit cards and other lines of credit. I don't think it's quite the heyday because we don't have the same uh, same access to credit in the mortgage market that we had then. It's, it's not as easy as it was then, and that's probably a really good thing. But there's still plenty of room for someone who wants to access credit to do it. And, I, and I'm not a person, Jordan, who says that all debt is bad. I'm not saying don't have a credit card. In fact, I love my credit cards. I get tons of benefits from my credit cards, but I've also been a credit card debt. And so what I try to what I try to do when I talk to someone is to be compassionate, but help them think through some of the choices they're making so they can make choices that are smarter for their future. And how are interest rates on credit card debts now compared to, say, 10 years ago when the credit crunch happened? Uh, it's good. And, it's mixed news. So good and bad. The good news is the average interest rate. Well, the, the inter, average interest rates are creeping up a little bit. The good news is they can't do what they used to do, which was give you a zero percent or a two percent or a nine point nine percent and then hike it on the existing balance at any time for any reason. Those traps were eliminated by the Credit Card Act of 2008. So that's good news. You have a little bit more stability. Uh, on the other hand, interest rates are starting to go up, and most credit card interest rates, virtually all of them, are adjustable rates. So they're tied to interest rates in the economy. And we know the Federal Reserve has been talking about raising interest rates. They've started to raise interest rates, and they say they're going to continue to raise interest rates. So that means your credit card interest rates are going to start creeping up. And if you're already feeling a little bit uncomfortable, that could make it that much more difficult to get out of debt. So what are the average rates for people with decent credit today compared to the past? Where is that uh, land these days? The average rates overall are about the 15 to 18% range. So if you have really good credit, you should be able to get something below that 15% rate. Uh, And we also are seeing balance transfer offers at 0% for as long as 18 to 24 months. So those offers are often advantageous for consumers who may want to finance a purchase or want to try to consolidate some debt if they have good credit scores. Uh, But unlike those, the heyday, most balance transfer offers do carry a transfer fee. Not all of them, but most of them do. So a lot of times there is at least something built in for the card issuer that goes on the very first statement after you make that balance transfer. So do you think that's a good idea? I mean, some people surf their balance from one place to another, taking one zero percent after another, paying those three and four percent fees. Do you think that's a good strategy? It can be a good strategy if you're disciplined. So what I recommend if you're going to consider a balance transfer is two things. First of all, try to stick to a balance transfer on a card that doesn't have an existing balance because the interest, the the payments get a little bit trickier when you have a balance that is subject to interest and a balance that's not subject to interest. So if possible, start with a clean slate. And then I would say, when you, after you make the transfer, figure out how much it's going to cost you each month until that transfer is gone or paid off, and then divide that amount up by the number of months left and put that amount on auto pay. So that let's say you need to pay $600 a month to pay that off in 18 months. You put it on auto pay and then you just make, of course, make sure the payments are being made, but you let that go through so that at the end of that time period, your balance is paid down. Now, if you can't do that, if you're trying to do this as sort of an interim method as you're trying to get out of debt, then the second best thing is to pay as much as you can, of course, and also make sure that you set some kind of calendar reminder to tell you when that balance transfer is up. Otherwise, you will forget 
and the balance will go, the interest rate will go to usually double digits, maybe 22, even as high as 25% or more. And that's going to be expensive. So before that happens, you want to try to see if there's another balance transfer you can do or if there's some kind of debt consolidation that will work for you. So one of the downsides of those, if you miss the payment on time, you're going to lose the 0%. It's going to shoot right up immediately, right? So there's something you have, you have to make sure you get it in there on time. Well, you do want to absolutely make sure that you're making that payment on time and, of course, making sure that you're cognizant of how much longer is left on that balance transfer because that's where people really get tripped up is they don't realize the balance transfer is expired and suddenly they're stuck with this really high interest rate and they're scrambling to find something else. What does it do to your credit report to uh, go from one balance transfer to another when you're opening new accounts all the time? Is that a bad idea as far as hurting your credit score? It depends on everything else in your credit score. So first of all, just opening a a new account has a little bit of an impact on your credit scores. It's a little bit of a risk factor. It's not huge in most cases, but it does have an impact. Um, And then the biggest thing is the debt usage ratio, or you might have heard the term utilization. This is where they compare your credit limit to your balance. And there's no magic number. You may have heard 30% or 50%. There's there's no specific number you have to stay below. But generally, for most consumers, once your balances start creeping up above 20 to 25% of your available credit, it starts to impact your credit scores potentially in a negative way. Now, if you have great credit, it's probably not going to be that much. But if you have mediocre or or moderate credit scores, you'll see more of an impact. And I can tell you, uh, one of my colleagues uh, that I work with at NAV, he was tracking this each month, and he noticed about 40-point swings based on his debt usage. So his credit score was going up or down roughly 40 points, depending on whether he had high debt usage or low debt usage in that particular month. So with a balance transfer, if you take a card, say with a $5,000 limit, and you consolidate $4,000 of debt on that card, that's a very high debt usage ratio. So you need to be aware of that. Now, it may be okay. If your main goal is, I'm going to get out of debt, and you may say, okay, I'm going to live with this for a little while while I tackle this debt. But if you're thinking, I need to get a mortgage, or my car might die, and I need to get another car and get a car loan, then that could potentially cost you more money in the long run. So you don't want to have a lot of applications in a short period of time. Those increase, those hard increases are going to hurt your credit score. And you're saying using a lot of the potential capacity in that line is also going to hurt your score, which a lot of people are not aware of. Yes, very often it will. And and Jordan, there's another uh, twist on that. And that's someone who has really good credit who pays their bill, bills in full. So I had a friend who, who called me and she was freaking out because her credit score had dropped like something like 45 points. And she said, I always pay my credit cards off in full. I don't understand. Well, it turns out she had used a retail card. They had a rel- It was holidays. She'd used a retail card with a relatively low limit. I think it was $1,000. And she had charged like $700. And what she didn't understand is that most issuers report the balance before you make your payment. They report it when they tell you, here's how much you owe this month and you can make the minimum or you can pay in full. So she suddenly had, she went from very low debt usage to 70% debt usage and her credit score dropped. Like I said, it was somewhere in the range of 40, 45 points. So I told her, hey, just pay it off like you normally would and then wait till next month and take a look. And sure enough, it sprung back up. So that credit score is created when it's requested based on whatever information is on the credit report at that moment in time. And the first time, it had a high debt usage. The second time, the debt usage was low. So in a certain way, it'd be better to have the debt spread out over two different cards 
with a lower percentage of debt usage than have it on one card with a higher percent of debt usage as far as its effect on your credit score. Yes, as far as your effect on debt usage, that would be an absolute, absolutely feasible strategy. Another strategy would be to ask your card issuer to raise the credit limit. So say, hey, I'm going to transfer $4,000 from my other credit card over to this account, but that's going to really hurt my credit score. Can you increase my credit limit? <laughs> and I, I know someone who I, I walked them through this recently. They got on the phone, made the call, and the credit line was increased right away, and it was no problem. The The balance transfer was 0%, and it was good for their debt, and their credit was not negatively impacted. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler. She is an expert on debt and credit. Her website is jerrydetweiler.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We've all been there. Struggling to keep up with credit card payments? Searching for a simpler, safer way out of debt? Well, here it is. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a nonprofit service that has been helping people reduce or eliminate their credit card debt for over 20 years. Most of us have made late payments and even gone over our credit limits. Before we know it, our balances are out of control and we can barely afford to make the minimum payments. If this sounds familiar and you're ready to take control of your debts, call Cambridge right away at 1-800-897-2200 for a debt-free analysis. Cambridge will work with your creditors and may be able to reduce your interest rates and get you out of debt fast. In fact, Cambridge's typical debt management clients save almost $150 every month on their credit card payments, and they're debt-free in just 50 months. So there is a simpler, safer way out of debt, and it all starts with Cambridge Credit Counseling. Call 1-800-897-2200 for your free debt analysis. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a Massachusetts-based nonprofit agency providing services nationwide. For complete licensing information, Visit them online at cambridge-credit.org. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Has your small business been turned down for a loan by the bank? Is lack of capital hindering your business growth? Small businesses unable to obtain bank financing or tired of merchant cash advances can now get the financing they need. Corporate Lending Solutions provides short and long-term capital, revolving lines of credit, and unsecured business loans. Does your business need help with payables, supplies, or payroll? Corporate Lending Solutions has powerful programs to help. While getting a small business loan can be a long, daunting process, with Corporate Lending Solutions, it's simple and takes only one to three days. Call 800-261-6478 or visit CorporateLendingSolutions.com to learn more. 800-261-6478. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. 
Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler. She's an expert on debt and credit, written many books on the topic. Uh, she works for nav.com. Welcome back to the show, Jerry. Thank you. Tell people a little bit about what they can find at nav.com. Sure. So NAV is basically like a credit karma, but for small business owners. So we are the first site that showed small business owners their business and personal credit in one place. And then we give them tools to build business credit. We found that most self-employed and small business owners in America do not know that they have a business credit report. They've never seen it. They don't know how it impacts their uh, financial lives. And so we want to make that information accessible, make it as strong as possible so that when they do need to get financing, they get the best terms they can. So let's just talk about that for a little bit. People have a Dun & Bradstreet report, whether they want it or not, basically, right? It's kind of like having a credit report. But there are things you can do to enhance your Dun & Bradstreet report uh, if you're a small business. What are some of those things? Yeah, there are actually several different major business credit reporting agencies. Equifax has a business credit reporting division. Experian does as well. You've got Dun and Bradstreet, and you've also got this exchange called the Small Business Financial Exchange that can work its way into your reports. And uh, with those different uh, credit reports, it's just like personal credit, except that not everybody reports to these credit agencies. And so what happens sometimes is business owners don't develop credit references they go on their credit report, and then there's no credit history. And you and I know, Jordan, that sometimes having no credit can be just as bad as having bad credit because there's no information there to create a credit score. And so it is sometimes a process where the business owner needs to be proactive. But going back to what you said initially, which is this report may be there, that's absolutely true. It may be there, and you may not know about it, and anyone can check business credit. So unlike your personal credit, where we have to have permission, we have to have permissible purpose, we have to have a legitimate business re- reason. There's no restrictions on who can check business credit. So your competitors, your uh, vendors, your suppliers, lenders, whatever, they can check it without telling you. It is a good idea, or do you think it's a good idea to subscribe to some of these services like DNB to give you access to be able to see what's on your report all the time and update it and all those kind of things, or is that not necessary? Well, working at NAV, I hope you'll start with a NAV account because <laughs> we can do that for you. We can give you the summary reports and, and credit scores for free. And then we do have more in-depth reports and they are less expensive through NAV than they are going directly to the source. So I hope that small business owners will check us out as, as a resource to, to not just monitor their credit, but also to understand how to build strong business credit. And part of what you have to do is supply the vendors because they're not going to know who your vendors are, unlike a personal credit report where they'll report to you. You have to take a more active role uh, in reporting small business credit. Exactly. So one of the most popular articles that I have written on the NAV blog, and I even have a short link for it, it's just nav.com forward slash vendors, V-E-N-D-O-R-S. That article has been extremely popular. It lists three easy ways to start building business credit. doesn't require personal credit check, doesn't require a strong personal credit. You buy things from these companies, things that you may need like restaurant equipment or janitorial supplies or shipping boxes or printer paper, and you buy it using a, a credit account, which will usually be net 30 terms. You have to pay in 30 days, and then that provides a credit reference that helps you start building your business credit. So for somebody who's in a startup phase, how can they establish credit when they haven't, the business hasn't been going yet? Uh, is there ways to do it without them putting it all on their personal credit cards? Yes, yes. So two things. One is, of course, the vendor relationships. But the other thing I'd recommend is considering a business credit card. 
Most small business credit cards have two advantages. One is they help build business credit. And two is they don't appear on the owner's personal credit unless you default. So remember, we were talking about how high debt usage can hurt your credit. Well, if you have a lot of expenses for your business going on to the credit card and it reports to your personal credit, that can affect your personal credit score and create problems when you go to get additional financing. So most business credit cards stay off the personal credit, and so that can be an advantage as well. And what most business owners don't realize is that you could start your business today and get a business credit card tonight, provided you have, and I know that sounds a little scabby, but provided you have good credit, so you have good personal credit scores, because they're going to check your personal credit scores at that stage. They're not going to check any business credit. And then second of all, provided you meet their minimum income requirements. And income doesn't have to necessarily be from the business. It could be you have a day job. It could be your spouse is still working and you you have that income available to you. It could be whatever legitimate source of income that you have, you can list on the application. And with that, you can get a business credit card and that will also provide you, provided it's paid on time, of course, provide you the solid credit reference that starts helping you build your business credit. Most business credit cards are going to want you to sign for it personally, though. So if the business goes out of existence, they can come after you personally. Is that personal signature guarantee kind of universal? Yes, yes. And that's a really good point, Jordan. Uh, Just if your business fails, you have agreed to be personally liable for that debt and you will have to make good on it or, you know, face whatever consequences come as the result of defaulting. And again, remember, I mentioned that most of these don't show up on your personal credit, but most of them, if you default, will show up on your personal credit. So you do want to make sure that you're not being reckless with the amount of money that you spend on these cards because it could come back to to create a problem if you can't pay it back. What is the uh, tightness or looseness of business credit these days for small businesses? My sense is that with the Dodd-Frank law that a lot of banks are kind of cautious about lending to small businesses because so many of them go out of business. Where do we stand on that kind of spectrum these days? It really depends on what type of financing you're looking at. So there's such a big a range within business credit. At NAV, we've identified over 44 different types of small business financing. That's not lenders, that's different types of financing. So some types of financing are going to look at things like how much money is coming into your uh, business, either through your credit card sales or maybe your Amazon account or your PayPal account. And they will advance money based on the actual sales. They don't care so much about credit or other factors. They're really looking at what's your sales volume. And those are extremely popular right now. There's a lot of lending activity going there. Amazon has just, uh, their lending to their Amazon merchants has just, um, it's grown exponentially in the past few years. And then on the other side, you do have banks who are much more highly regulated. And they, with banks, the trick is that for them to underwrite a loan, it pretty much costs them the same, whether it's 50000 or 500000 or $5 million. And so many banks are looking for larger loans. They want to make larger loans and they want to make them to established stable businesses for all the reasons of cost and compliance and everything else and exposure that goes into their equation. So if you're looking for that type of loan, you do have to have an, you do have to be especially prepared for the process. As usual, if you don't need the money, it's easy to get it. If you do need it, it's going to be hard to get it, right? That's the way it works. (laughs) Well, the other the other cool thing, though, Jordan, is that we have all these other options now. We have crowdfunding. We have 
blends in crowdfunding. We have micro lenders that work in communities and try to work with borrowers who may be entrepreneurs who may be traditionally disadvantaged. So I'm excited because I see more and more creative options than ever before where I can clearly remember a few years ago, a woman who wanted to start a business, she had bad credit and she just couldn't find any options and I didn't have much to tell her. And now, you know, five years later, I would have more options to share with her that she could consider to get her business off the ground. So I do think we're at a very very interesting and good stage for small business and hopefully we can keep up the momentum if we do run into a situation where there's a lot of large losses, then of course that's going to take the industry back five steps and we're gonna have to catch up later how about a peer-to-peer lending like lending club and prosper for small business is that a good option Uh, it can absolutely be a good option now many of those many of those programs are based on personal credit and they will appear on the personal credit report but there are some hybrid type models on the business side like you have able lending which is kind of a hybrid between the p2p and um, crowdfunding type models so we have some interesting things that are going on there. We also have Kiva, and Kiva, K-I-V-I-A, is a 0% loan. The loan amount is small to start, but it could be, I've, I've interviewed business owners who used it just as the very first step in getting their business off the ground, and at 0%, they could afford to afford to you know take some time to get their business going and then later seek out more traditional funding. Another thing you hear a lot about these days is merchant cash advances, where they'll take a piece of your um, receivables, basically, your credit card receivables, at, at pretty high rates. What do you think about merchant cash advances? Yeah, again, there's there's times where it makes sense. Of if a business has the right opportunity, What the two things I would caution with that is, first of all, many of them do take out the, the repayment on a daily basis, sometimes weekly, but usually daily. And the business must be prepared for that. They must be able to handle that change in their cash flow and their margins. And then the other thing I would say is really understand the cost of what you're getting into. Business loans do not have to disclose an APR, an annual percentage rate, which is what we use to shop for our car loans and our credit cards and our mortgages. There's no such requirement on the business side. So sometimes it's confusing. There was a story of a business owner in Forbes. She was presented with a term sheet for a loan. It said, I think it said stated rate, 15%. It was 15%. I think the terminology was stated rate. When it was run through a calculator, the APR was over 4,000%. Oh, God. (laughs) Big difference. So we do have free calculators at NAV. You don't have to sign up for a NAV account to use them. Just go to nav.com. On the top, you see resources. And we have calculators there you can use to translate some of these costs into an APR to shop around. And then finally, on that note, I would add that PayPal, Working Capital, and Amazon's um, Uh, program are very competitive. They're not the cheapest money that you'll get, but they're not as high as the merchant cash advances because they don't have to go out and market. They just go to their existing customers that they see are making strong sales and make an offer to them. And so you may want to look at those as alternatives if you are selling through those platforms. Is the key uh, that we can be get a loan based on cash flow as opposed to assets? I mean, not having widgets in a warehouse to seize which a lot of businesses don't have today, that seems to be the new way of lending is based on your cash flow. 
It's definitely a very popular form of lending, but we still have lots of lenders that are going for more traditional loans. A good example is SBA loans. SBA loan volume hit record highs in many parts of the country last year. And those can be some of the harder loans to get, but the loan terms are very attractive and appealing to many business owners, often very single digit interest rates, very uh, predictable payments. And so it, it really depends on where your business is at. So understanding your business profile credit, cash flow, revenues, and then finding the, the lending option that's the best fit is the, is the best way to go into this process. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler. Uh, she is with nav.com. She also has a lot of books and material at her website, which is jerrydetweiler.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler. She's an expert on both business and consumer debt and credit issues. Welcome back to the show, Jerry. Thank you, Jordan. You did a book, we were just talking about small business debt. You did a book called Finance Your Own Business. Uh, tell people about how they can get that. 
Sure. I wrote that book with Rich Dad advisor and attorney Garrett Sutton, who works with small business owners. And Finance Your Own Business, we do have a promotion where you can get it for free. You need to sign up for a NAV account with the a free NAV account with the uh, link that I'll, I'll give to you. And then you get the book mailed to you. So this is a printed version of the book. It's at Jerry. So to, just to be clear, Jerry is with a G, as in great, not, G, not J. So G-E-R-R-I dot link forward slash free book. So jerry.link forward slash free book. And that'll give you the instructions to uh, to sign up and get the book. And what can people find at jerrydetweiler.com? What are some of the resources you have there? So and that's basically my site for people to find me and find out what I do. <laughs> so there are, there are articles that I've written. There's information on, uh, on interviews that I have done in the past when I had my own podcast, um, some consumer tips, and also I do answer questions. So uh, it's not the main thing that I do, but if someone wants to ask me a credit question, I'm happy to answer that for free, and I do that through that site as well. Let's talk about debt collection a bit. You have a book, a Kindle ebook called Debt Collection Answers. <clears throat> what are some of the misperceptions people have when they have debt collectors calling them? Debt collection is it can be such a mess for consumers because there are so many bad actors in the industry. Now, I feel like the debt collection industry itself has done a fair amount of cleaning up over the past few years. But what's happened is scammers have found a huge opportunity in going after consumers. So overseas scammers will call consumers. They often will have information about a debt. So it's not uncommon for them to know that you took out a payday loan, for example. They've purchased this bad debt information. And now they're saying that they are, need to collect immediately or you'll be arrested. And it can be absolutely, utterly terrifying. But when consumers do end up paying them, it's usually through some uh, gift card or a wire transfer, some untraceable method. And then the debt hasn't gone away. Uh, and in many cases, the, the scammer will get more aggressive once they know they can get money out of that consumer. So it's, it's a huge problem. What, what are the statute of limitations on debt? At what point... Do you really, you know, you should not pay it because if you pay a little bit of it, it kind of resuscitates it, I guess you might say. Yeah, so that's one of the first questions I always tell a consumer to find out. First of all, if a, if a legitimate debt collector calls you, any debt collector calls you, you say, I need you to send it to me in writing. If they're legitimate, by law, they know they need to do that. If they're a scammer, they won't do it. So you oh, you could always say, I can't, t- this is not convenient for me to talk about this right now please send me something in writing. You can always do that. And that's when you start researching the statute of limitations. The statute of limitations is the time period that they have where they could sue you successfully. Now, in some states, they could still try to sue you after the statute of limitations is expired. And it can go from four years. And for most debts in my state, Florida, it can go as long as 20 years in some states. But generally, it runs about four to six years in most states. And that's from the time that you defaulted. Now, they can still sue you after the statute of limitations is expired in some states. And what happens then, if you don't respond, you don't go to court and say this debt is too old, then they will get a judgment against you. And once they have a judgment against you, it's very easy for them to go after bank accounts or wages or other things, whatever's legal in that particular state. So it's very important that someone who has old debts at least be cognizant of what the statute of limitations is 
so that if they hear from a debt collector, they know how to properly respond and that they don't ignore the debt. Ignoring the debt is probably the worst thing you can do because then that opens you up to a default judgment. If the debt is sold, which it often is, there are these people buying defaulted debt in effect, do you have different rights or should you deal with those kind of debt collectors differently than if you have a, a, a credit card company calling directly? Well, a credit card company is collecting its own debts is a different game. They they are not covered by the Federal Fair Debt Collection Practices Act unless there are states that have laws that mimic the FDCPA in your state. But remember, with a credit card, that's usually pretty early on in the game. Usually, by a, if you're about six months delinquent, they'll charge off the debt, and that's where it often goes to a third-party debt collector. Any third-party debt collector, whether it's the first one or the fifth one, they have to do two things. First of all, they do have to follow that law, so you have the same right to say, say to them, I want to discuss this in writing. I want some information in writing. The second thing to keep in mind is that for purposes of everything we're talking about, whether it's the statute of limitations or how long it's going to stay on your credit report, that starts with that original debt. So just because it goes from one debt collector to another, that doesn't mean it can stay on your credit report longer. And it also doesn't give them longer to try to collect under you know, the statute of limitations. So knowing these dates can be really, really valuable for someone who's trying to figure out how to work with this debt collector. So if you're behind and you just don't have the money to pay these debts, uh, you hear a lot on radio about debt settlement as a way of settling your debt for 50 cents to the dollar, but they charge all kinds of fees. Is that a legitimate solution for people who just literally do not have the money to pay these debts back? Well, debt settlement can be a legitimate option, but in order to settle debt, you have to save money to be able to settle with. And whether it's a good option for you or not depends on a lot of different factors. For example, if you're someone who's retired and your only income is from Social Security and maybe you have um, military retirement, that's money the debt collector can't touch. You're in a really, really good position to negotiate because they know that even if they sue you, there's nothing they can really get from you. Same thing if you're self-employed or unemployed and you don't have many assets. You're in a really good position to negotiate for a very low settle settlement. But if you earn a good income at work and you have W-2 wages and your state allows garnishment, which most states do, then you may not, they, they know, they know, and they can look at your credit and look at all the other debts that you have and you may get a deal, you may not get as good a deal as someone else. And then there are some credit card companies or debt collectors that are more um, lawsuit you know, prone. They're, they're, they're going to sue more quickly than others. And so if you owe money to one of those, then you might need to be more aggressive about paying them. So it's a little bit of an art and a science. And that's why a lot of times people do end up working with someone professional. But as you mentioned, those fees can get pretty hefty. And if you're putting all your money toward fees, you're not saving enough money to settle the debt, then you're going to end up just right where you are, which is you haven't settled your debt and you still owe it. So when is nonprofit credit counseling a better solution than debt settlement if, again, you just don't have enough money to make, make the payoffs? Credit counseling is usually most effective for someone who has credit card debt and they aren't making any headway and they aren't going to be able to pay it off uh, based on the terms that they have right now on their credit card. So here's a tip that I, I like to give Jordan. Every credit card statement you get has a number on it. It tells you, 
you need to pay this amount in order to pay this debt off in three years. It'll give you also give you how much how long it'll take you to pay off the debt if you make the minimum payment. But that's the section of your statement that you're looking for. So for each of your credit cards, look at that three-year amount. So $383 to pay off this credit card in three years, and then $220 to pay off your other credit card. Make a list of those. And then look at what that totals up to and realistically say to yourself, can I make those three-year payments without going deeper in debt? Can I make that total amount each month? If you can, you can probably do it yourself. If you can't or if you're not sure because you're afraid that something's going to happen to throw your plan off track, that's when I would say talk to a credit counseling agency because they may be able to help you get on a plan to get out of debt. Are people being abused by debt collectors all the time? This is Fair Debt Collection Practices Act is supposed to protect them, but what's happening in the real world in that area? In the real world, debt collector debt collection complaints are one of the top, um, in volume-wise, top complaints received by the Federal Trade Commission and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. So debt collection complaints and problems remain a serious, serious problem. And I'm really concerned because I talk to consumers who are really, really struggling, and then they get a call from a debt collector and they end up, you know, maybe taking the rent money or the grocery money or something that they absolutely cannot afford to pay to to get this debt collector just to be quiet. And if you make a payment on that debt, remember that statute of limitations we talked about? It starts over again. It reactivates the debt if you make a payment. It reactivates that statute of limitations. So if you say, you know what, they're telling me if I just make a good faith payment of $20, you know, then they'll know I'm serious. Well, they want that $20 because they know that with that token payment, you are resetting the statute of limitations. And sometimes they will do this right before the statute of limitations is set to expire. Now, I'm not saying don't pay your debts. I I want consumers to feel good about make you know making responsible financial choices but I also realize sometimes things happen and it's not possible and you have to sort of you have to you have to take care of the most essential expenses first and in that case that may mean that you can't pay the debt collector until you can get into a better financial situation so it would be better in that circumstance not to pay the twenty dollars or some token amount because of you're reactivating the debt and the debt collector is never going to tell you that right Correct, correct. There are times when it does not make sense. And I will tell you, I had a friend who was facing a debt collector, very aggressive debt collector, um, on a debt that had been the result of he had he had co-signed for a, a loan for his father's business. His father was deceased. The business was out of business and he had been a co-signer. And when we took a look at the situation, it was literally about 60 days before the statute of limitation would expire. And they were being very aggressive. And this was a very large debt that he couldn't afford to pay. And the business was gone. And he made the decision, you know, not to make that payment because he knew and they didn't, they did not end up suing and it basically went away and he didn't have to deal with it anymore. Um, So sometimes, you know, that, that can be the appropriate course of action in certain situations. But you have to know because the debt collector is certainly not going to tell you when the statute of limitations is going to run out. No, they're not going to tell you. There have been proposals by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to require disclosure of some of this information to debtors, um, but that's sort of you know held up now. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is changing; uh, it's changed the head of the agency, and I don't know where that's going to go. So in the meantime, it's still caveat emptor. 
you know, <laughs> buyer beware. You've got to be careful and know your rights. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler. She's a debt and credit expert. Uh, her website is jerrydetweiler.com, and she also works with NAV, NAV.com, which is on about small business debt. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Looking for an investment option? Consider Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. Secured Real Estate Income Strategies is a real estate-backed option offering investments with a monthly income objective. The goal of the strategy is to lend money to real estate developers. SREIS offers an 8% preferred return per annum, plus a share in any profits. While there is risk, including loss of capital, and you should carefully read the offering circular for full details, Secured Real Estate Income Strategies screens each real estate loan carefully. Call 888-444-2102 or visit securedrealestatefunds.com to learn more. 888-444-2102. Jordan Goodman is an advisor to and part owner in Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. This does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities. Securities offered through North Capital Private Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler. She's an expert on debt and credit. Her website is jerrydetweiler.com and also nav.com. Welcome back to the show, Jerry. Thank you. So let's talk about credit scores, which affects a lot of people. What are some of the misconceptions that people have about things they do that are going to hurt their credit score or that they can do to improve their credit scores? Well, I do get a lot of questions about credit scores, and usually the question is, how do I raise my credit score? And, and it's it's a little difficult for me to say that without looking at all the factors. I think one misconception is most people do still think, I will, okay, I'll ask this question because I ask it in my workshops all the time. How many credit scores do you think you have? Well, I would say you've got one. I mean, there's the FICO score, and then there's uh, the Vantage score. 
Mm-hmm. And then each of the three credit bureaus has a different number on you. So that would be five, I guess, right there. Right. So the most common answer I get is three because people think there's three credit bureaus, three credit scores. But FICO alone has almost 50 different scoring models. So there are about at least 75 different credit scores that I could pull on you or me right now. Some of them would be used for auto insurance or they might be used for an auto loan or they might be used for a mortgage or a credit card. And a great example of this is the the uh, credit score that's accepted in the mortgage industry is a FICO score that's over well over 10 years old at this point. There are many newer versions of the FICO score. So what this means for the consumer is it means do not get hung up on a particular number. Really focus on the factors. So when you check your credit score, look at what it's telling you about the main factors that impact your score and see if those are things that you can address. So an example would be debt usage, where we talked about if it says your balances are too high in comparison to your revolving credit limits, then you know, hey, I either need to raise my credit limits or pay down some debt or pay it faster or maybe even get a personal loan to consolidate my debt because that will help that factor. If it's something like negative information, if it's accurate, it's a little more difficult to deal with, but there are some changes that are going on there as well. So an example would be, let's say you didn't pay your taxes, you have a tax lien. Well, if it's a federal tax lien, you can work with the IRS, get in their Fresh Start program, and you can actually get that tax lien off your credit report while you're still making payments on the tax debt. And that could have a significant impact on your credit score. This past summer, there were some changes to negative information that appears on credit reports. And about 96% of all consumer judgments, which is where someone sues you and they get a judgment against you, have been removed from credit reports. And about half of all tax liens, federal or state, have been removed from credit reports due to some inconsistencies in the way information was reported. So there's a lot of different things. It really depends on what's impacting your credit score, where you need to focus. Well, that's really good news. Now, there is the FACTA law, the Fair and Accurate Credit Transactions Act, which gives you the right to challenge incorrect information. Is that working? Do creditors you know, take bad information off? Or what is the whole process of, of challenging incorrect information under FACTA? Yes, yeah, so you have you can file a dispute on your credit report and then they have th- 30 days to get back to you and either remove it if they can't verify it or they will um, make a correction or tell you why they're leaving it as it is. And this is, by the way, the main way that credit repair works. Credit repair typically will dispute everything that's negative and hope that some of it doesn't get verified and g- gets removed from your credit reports. Now, there have been well-documented instances of problems on credit reports not getting fixed in a timely manner. My impression is that that has changed a lot in the past three years, primarily because the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau got very heavily involved. It's a federal government agency, and they were coming into the credit bureaus and sitting down and watching the dispute process and making suggestions that the credit bureaus followed. And as a result, I think the dispute process has gotten more streamlined. Um, Sometimes the biggest frustration for a consumer is that hey, it's negative, but I can't get it off my credit. And that's a frustration point. But if it's accurate, by law, it can stay up there for seven years. So here's what I tell someone who's in that situation. Most credit scoring models care most about the information in the past. They weight the information the most recent, the past 24 months, most heavily. So even if you have something negative on your report, as it gets older, it carries less weight, provided that 
the information you have reporting now is current and positive and on time. So you can't completely neglect your credit, not use credit, say have a bankruptcy, you don't touch credit for seven years and suddenly your credit is miraculously great just because the bankruptcy is off. That's not how it works because the credit score needs some current positive information. But if you're doing that, if you're focusing on making sure everything gets paid on time now and that you have good references reporting, you will see progress even with that negative information on your reports. So is it true that a lot of creditors don't get back to the credit bureaus within 30 days? It's not their priority. If they're Sears or something like that, their job is to sell merchandise, not help people with their credit reports. Is that correct, that you should kind of count on creditors not getting back to the bureaus within 30 days and therefore getting negative information off your report? Well, my experience is that most of the major creditors are very, very good at responding to these disputes. It's an automated process, and they have it down to a science. So it's going computer to computer. It's not like someone's actually looking at it, except where you provide some documentation. That can also be frustrating for a consumer, because I had a situation where I had uh, my mortgage company was reporting me as late six times, and I had not been late on my mortgage payments. And their computers were saying I was late. So I had to go to the original creditor and talk to them and go month by month and show them that I had made those payments on time. And then they corrected it and they notified the credit bureaus for me. Now, I will say that that same problem popped up three years later. So it was a problem. I got it fixed. Three years later, it popped up on my credit report. So thank goodness I was monitoring my credit because if I wasn't, I may not have known. And that really you know, had an impact on my credit scores. So I had to fix it a second time. What do you recommend as a way to monitor your credit score? Well, there's. I wrote an article on it, 150 plus ways to monitor your credit score for free. So you, if you just... If you just Google the words 150 plus places to get your credit score for free, you'll you'll see my article. Most of us get it through our credit card companies. You can also use services on the consumer side like Credit Karma. On the small business side, um, NAV, we provide business and personal credit score monitoring for free. So there's a variety of services. There's really no excuse now not to be monitoring your credit because you certainly can get it from all three bureaus from free from a variety of sources. In about two minutes we have left, kind of what difference will it make in people's lives if they follow your advice, have better credit scores, and in general are being smarter about their use of debt compared to not? Uh, You'll feel a lot less stress, a lot less financial stress. I know I've been there. I've been in debt. I've dealt with these credit report problems. Um, I even had some real estate problems during the financial downturn. So I know the stress is really what is, is the hardest, and it keeps you up at night. It makes you feel like you don't have a financial future. But I have never talked to someone who we can't put together some sort of plan. I'm not a credit coach or counselor, but you know, as I, I mentioned, I've answered many, many questions for consumers over the years. And I've never seen anyone who can't eventually get a fresh start. That's the great thing. We we always can get a fresh start with our current credit system. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Jerry Detweiler. Uh, she's an expert on debt and credit. She's done several books, the most recent one called Finance Your Own Business. I get on the financing fast track. Uh, you can find out more about her at her website, jerrydetweiler.com and for business credit, nav.com. Thanks so much for being a great interview on The Money Answer Show, Derry. Thank you, Jordan. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.